Welcome to the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour, bringing you honest talk, even when it bites. Now on 77 WABC, here are your hosts, Alex Alexanian and Brenda Bush. Wow. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's 6 a.m. in New York, and it is now 6 a.m. in Los Angeles, which is where we are. Good morning. This is the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour with your host, Alex Alexanian and Brenda Bush. And we will be talking about dogs as we do every week. We will be talking about dogs and how they interact with your life. And we have a fascinating subject today. We're going to be talking about dog rescues. Dog rescues uh, save thousands, tens of thousands of animals' lives here. And a lot of you may not know exactly what a dog rescue is, how it works, does it work, is it something that we could sort of model to, um, to save all of our pets out there, or is it... Just some crazy idea that some people just do because it makes them feel good. We're going to talk all about that. We have two experts, one head of a, uh, of a dog rescue organization and another one, someone, an expert from our best friends at Best Friends. So good morning, New York. We are in Los Angeles at the studios of KABC, our good friends on the West Coast of the United States. Yes, thank you. And, and thank you, uh, Chris, for uh, helping engineer the show this morning as we uh, record across the country. What a pet-friendly state this is. Oh, I love California. Oh, my. I love it. As a matter of fact, I may not go back, <laughs> okay? You may you may not, like, be able to push me onto that plane, you know? <laughs> Refund my ticket. And <laughs> it's amazing. Standing in line for coffee this morning at the at the coffee shop in, uh, in Santa Monica and... Right next to me is a woman. She's getting her uh, cappuccino and got a, her little dog with her right there in the coffee shop. And yeah, I thought, that's a, that's a $300 fine in New York, right? And even in, yeah, even even in New York, you know, which is pretty pet-friendly, New York City. The yeah, rest of the yeah. state, not, oh, not so it. friendly. They shoot them on site. Yeah. No, but it's, the rest of the state's not so friendly. You know, a lot of parks you can't take your dogs to. And What did here, I just say? Just, they shoot them on site. And it's, it's, what, a, what a great pet-friendly state. I mean, um, I love California. I love the sunshine. We came in um, yesterday from Carlsbad, which is south Cal- uh, south of Southern California anyway, um, and we just saw the Pacific uh, glorious. And here was um, here was this guy. He's walking his, uh, his Labrador Retriever, and he's walking on the beach. And, uh, and I walked up to him, and I said, listen, uh, you know, that's it. That's it. $300 ticket at least in, in New, New York, York. and mm-hmm. they will ticket you. Oh, yeah. They will find you and ticket you because they say, it's a, it's, we have a budget deficit. Well, you know what? California has even a bigger budget deficit. And I said, so they must ticket you. Well, you're pretty gutsy, right? He said, oh, I've been doing it for 20 years. I never got a ticket in my life. That is California the way I like California. Yeah. I got to tell you. Apparently, you know? not uh, dogs not allowed on all parts of the beach here, but uh, the, the, the police just uh, look the other way. Uh, most of the time. You don't get that in New York. You don't get that in New York. Yeah. You don't get that in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, before we um, shut down the chat and go to our expert guests, I want to mention I got a very disturbing email this week about a dog named Chocolate that's in um, that's in Miami-Dade. Now, we don't usually talk at specific dogs. We usually highlight one dog, but this was a quite bothersome one. Apparently, this is a this is this is a, a, a great and wonderful dog that was um, companion that was a to a lifetime, homeless man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lifetime companion, and he he learned a trick. And his trick was that he would go up and carry a bucket on his teeth and walk up to people, and people would put a bucket in there, and he would carry the the bucket back to his homeless owner. And sometimes when people would miss the bucket, you know, people that are not like on the highest IQ range, you know, would miss the bucket with their money. He would put the bucket down and pick up the money with his, you know, with his, uh, uh, with his mouth and put it back inside of the bucket mm-hmm. and, you know, and collect money for his owner. And so last week uh, he was found being beaten by, by his owner and the police arrested the guy. And so the dog ends up at the Miami-Dade shelter, Okay. And guess what? I mean, this is a great dog, trained, wonderful, intelligent. Friendly dog, right. Intelligent. Guess what? He's scheduled to be euthanized um, on, what, Saturday, which is yesterday uh, for you guys, because we are pre-taping this in Los Angeles. We are not live in Los Angeles. We're taping this. It's Tuesday, the day we're taping. Um, so we just have our hopes and prayers out there. We really can't do a lot. We've put it up on the Facebook page, I think. Have you done that, Brenda? No, not yet, but we'll be doing that later today. Okay, well, Brenda's procrastinating because she figures, you know what, she's got more important things looking at the sunlight. That is so not true or fair. <laughs> so, uh, How about not having Internet access? How about that? <laughs> uh, we're going to put it up there, but uh, we just uh, press on our hopes and prayers 
that the 31st, which was Saturday, or, or whatever it was, the 31st, that's the date of his euthanization, so it's not even Currently Saturday. Currently scheduled for the 31st. Yeah, 31st. Right? Sorry, so, I said the wrong thing. Well, we're going to do everything we can to network on behalf of this dog. And, uh, you know, the, the, the outcome for dogs that wind up in the Miami-Dade shelter is not great. And uh, and this is a great dog who deserves to be saved. Not that they all don't, but, you know, some are, are, are more heartbreaking than others. And we're going to do everything we can to network on behalf of this dog and just pray that by the time this show airs, uh, he'll be safe. You know, what bothers me about it is that um, we're even talking about an issue like this, that, that a great animal that has served a homeless man and collected money for him like that and is so well-trained is on the verge of being killed. Right. I mean, you know what? Through no that fault of his own. That doesn't say a lot about the society. I don't no, care. I don't care how you think how good we think you are. We're not that good. If we have a society that, that condones that, we're not as good as we think we are, guys, you know? And, and you can keep dreaming about it, but it isn't happening. Anyway, we're going to talk about some very good people, um, dog rescuers. We're going to talk some really top of the class in the human race, in my book anyway, when we come back from commercial. So we'll be right back, and thanks for joining us. Hi, this is Alex. And Brenda. From the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour, with a special message for you, WABC listeners. Our charity, the Buddy Fund, has saved over 50,000 dogs from being killed, placing them in loving homes across the country. Through our program, Dogs in Danger, we give a voice to the voiceless and raise awareness about issues and indiscretions in the animal community that would otherwise go unnoticed. However, as a charity, we are dependent on donations from listeners like you to keep the Dogs in Danger radio hour alive on WABC Radio. We ask that you please look into your hearts. And if you support our cause and want to continue help us make a difference, please log on to dogsindanger.com and make a donation to the Buddy Fund. Any amount you can spare would go a long way in helping keep animals out of kill shelters and informative programming on the air. It's up to listeners like you to help make the difference in the life of a furry little friend. So please log on to dogsindanger.com and make a difference. Do you wish all dogs and cats could find homes, but you can't adopt one right now? Best Friends Animal Society has a solution. Now you can help a homeless dog or cat find a home with our free action kit. Just visit our website, choose your favorite dog or cat, and we'll get you started. When you help a homeless pet in this way, you really are a champion, and that's why we call you a champion of love. Become one today on the Best Friends website at champion.bestfriends.org. That's champion.bestfriends.org. Because every homeless pet needs a champion and a best friend. First, there was the lost generation. Then came the greatest generation. Followed by the silent generation. The me generation. And Generation X. Now comes the overscheduled, overprotected, hyperparented generation. Three out of four of whom are riding in car seats that aren't being used correctly. The latch system is in most cars and makes it easier to be sure your child's car seat is installed correctly. Just clip it to the anchors, attach the top tether, and pull the straps tight. To find out more, visit safercar.gov. Anchor, tether, latch. It's the next generation of child safety for the next generation. A message from the U.S. Department of Transportation and the Ag Council. Markable Radio, the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour on 77 WABC. Here are your hosts, Alex and Brenda. We're back with the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour. This is Alex Alexanian with my co-host. Brenda Bush. And we are going to move ahead with the subject du jour, which is dog rescues. We're going to discuss all parameters and perspectives of a dog rescue. And I'd like to introduce Maria Blake, who is co-founder of Second Chance Dog Rescue. Good morning, Maria. Good morning. So, Maria, you're, uh, you're located in the West Coast, are you? I am. We are located in San Diego, California. Yeah, we just came up from San Diego, California. We were actually at the state fair just, re- just you know, what was it, the day before yesterday. Yeah, we drove by the parking lot and, the right, county fair. and right out again, the state <laughs> fair. Yeah. Oh, you didn't get to have any of the delicious food at the, at the county fair. It's a wonderful fair. Oh, my goodness. You know, it was, there were about 40,000 people in the parking lot. Yeah, it was just I so packed. It. 
Mm-hmm. It was so packed, it took us 45 minutes to get in. We paid the parking fee. We saw the line to get the tickets. We got back in the car, paid another, spent another 45 minutes to get out. And left. <laughs> we did go to the San Diego Zoo, which was my first time, and is really such an impressive zoo. Amazing. And we waited online to see the panda. Yeah. Good. <laughs> we did do that. There were no well, dogs I'm glad there. you enjoyed San Diego. <laughs> so, Maria, you're not in the business of uh, rescuing any pandas, are you? No pandas. We are strictly dogs, but actually we are not dog dog specific. We're not breed specific, which is quite unique in the dog rescue. I, I right. love that. I, right. I love I love that. You know what? I wish more uh, more rescues had the the same brain, uh, let's say, orientation that you guys have. I love the fact that you're uh, you know breed neutral, as I may. Well, that. I love the fact that everyone does what they can, and if you know people have an affinity for a certain breed and they want to you know rescue that breed, that's all fine and well. You know, I did yeah. a uh, I did a search um, of uh, a pet finder this morning and. Um, came up with over 13,000 rescue organizations. Wow. Yes. Just to give an idea across the country. Maria And uh, we need all, and we need all of them. We need all of the all of the rescues everyone's effort because animals really and the dogs need all of us and every kind of rescue. So to your point, yes, it's great that we are not breed specific or age specific. We want to be as neutral as possible so that we can be open to helping the dogs that truly need us. However, there's room for every kind of rescue because the dogs need us all. Wonderful, wonderful. Well said, Maria. Just tell us, first of all, for the, for the part of our audience that doesn't know what a dog rescue is or a rescue is, tell us just what is it. So our rescue, Second Chance Dog Rescue, based in San Diego, we started our rescue, myself, Sandra Simpson, and Jason Cordova, because we saw so many dogs being abandoned, not only in homes, when the homes, obviously, when people were losing their homes. I mean, this was back in 2008 when we saw the height of all of the, um, of the economy and the collapse and, and um, the bubble bursting. And so people were losing their homes, and they were having to leave their family pets due to, you know, the, the, unfortunately, their, their financial circumstances. So when we saw the shelters being truly um, inundated with these animals, these dogs that had been people's pets, we realized we had to step in and help. And so we had been in... Um, Dog rescue myself and Sandra and Jason. All of my, I have, I personally have five dogs that I have adopted and rescued um, from different organizations, and therefore, we decided it was time for somebody to come in and help the shelters who needed, who really needed relief. And, and what's so, the structure? How do you, how do you actually do it? Well, we have, we have a board. We have um, adoption fees. We um, have uh, different vets that we work with. We work with the shelters. The shelters let us know when a dog has been at the shelter for. A long time and perhaps is not adjusting well um, just needs love and attention um, so we work partner with the shelters to acquire the dogs that need us the most and then we actually have a team of fosters who are the secret the true secret to our success because the fosters and I'm of course one of the foster uh, foster parents we actually take a dog into our home we provide a second chance provides the food, the medical care, um, the bowls, the, all the supplies that the, per, that the person would need, and they really take the dog in and assess the dog and give the dog love and provide a home and a safe place for the dog to adjust and to and to really acclimate to what it's like to be back in a home as opposed to a shelter. And then that is when we take pictures of the dog, we write descriptions, we put it on Pet Finder, um, Craigslist, our own personal website, and we do our best to match the dog with the person with the home that is looking for, you know, a family pet to add to their to their family. And so then we put these two magical things in place. Our fosters match up with our um, people looking for homes and looking for a dog for their home, and we end up having a dog that has a forever home. Wow, wow, what a wonderful story. Let me ask you, is there any money in this? Is anybody making any money out of this? Not your a cent. Nobody's no. making any money. We are a volunteer, 100% volunteer-based. 100% volunteer-based. So 100%. Where you, so where do you get the money to run the operation, pay for supplies and food and all that kind of stuff? Well, I will tell you, that is where we are so fortunate because Sandra Simpson, who is our president and really who spearheaded and funded this rescue from the from the inception she's retired and she really decided this was her legacy and so when she began this i mean she really funded us from the start now we do have an adoption fee and our, our average adoption fee is 175 dollars so and that that means that when you're adopting a dog from second chance the dog is up to date on its shots and has been spayed and neut- or neutered 
And so that is huge on the, you know, when you're looking at the responsibility of, of a rescue and, and how we're taking care of our dogs. Um, the way we're able to do it is by we really, we really have a lot of support from the community, um, donations, as well as it's really a grassroots effort. I mean, everybody donates their time. We would never be able to do this if right, we had right. that kind of overhead. What sort of operating costs do you have? What does it take to run an organization, all-volunteer organization like yours? Cost, an annual basis, what does it take? Money-wise. It ta- well, it takes a lot of time, effort, um, passion, definitely. Mm-hmm. Of and course. it takes somebody like Sandra, who is willing to spend you know, her retirement day in and day out uh, wow. really being our fearless leader. And, and it is difficult. I will tell you, there has been times where we've had, you know, one surgery for a dog, you know, was almost $2,000. And we didn't know what we were going to do. We thought, okay, you know, how are we going to make mm-hmm. this happen? Because we have a responsibility to this dog. And where we are so fortunate and where social networking has really changed the landscape of how we fundraise, we were able to put a picture up of, of the dog, Lenny, Lenahan, and describe, you know, who the dog is, what his story is, and why he needs what he needs. And we were able to fund that surgery in less than 48 hours but by the generosity you, it, it, of the community. Right. Isn't that great? If Sandra yeah. stopped, stopped funding the organization, then would you still be able to exist, or do you think you'd have to close your doors? We would stopped. be able, well, well, thank goodness, I mean, I don't see that happening, but I absolutely, she doesn't fund us any longer financially. However, it's the, it's the day in and day out. It's the fact that we don't have to pay a president, CEO right. um, price. You know, mm-hmm. when, you're looking at, when you're looking at that kind of leadership, it is expensive, and that's where we're very fortunate. Um, I'm a board member as well and obviously co-founder and, and vice president, and I donate all, all of my time because it is my passion, and same as Jason. And we have a core group of volunteers that spend every you know, Tuesday and Thursday night doing medical runs, and every Saturday we have our event leads, adoption event leads, who spend so much of their time um, preparing for these adoption events, and they spend their Saturdays at you know, Petco's all over San Diego, um, conducting these events, and it really is truly um, a group effort. We couldn't do it without everybody's participation and every and everyone's commitment because it's it's a lot when you're asking people to donate their time on a volunteer basis. Right, and how many how many foster homes do you guys have? We have over 300 fosters. Wow. Wow, and and yeah. why don't you tell our audience what a foster home is? A foster home is a, a you know, a family or, or a person decides they want to open their home to a dog who, under dire circumstances, would have been euthanized. And so they decide they're going to be a second-chance dog rescue foster. So we set them up, we give them all the supplies that they need, and they tell us what parameters of dog they need. For example, you know, they can only handle, a, you know, they can't handle an alpha male dog, or they really love chihuahuas, or they really love, you know, St. Bernard's. And so we find a dog that they are going to enjoy fostering. We um, obviously let them have the dog in their home, and they give us the pictures and the description. And it really is a labor of love where they, they nurture they that the, dog. And mm-hmm. do they take the dog around to potential adopters as well? You know, they do. They take the dog to potential adopters, to our headquarters for shots, uh, to, the, to the vet. Um, to our adoption events, they'll drop off the dog, and if the dog doesn't get adopted, they, they'll pick the dog up. Um, they have the option to uh, do home visits and visit the dog afterwards to see how their foster dog is doing in their forever home. Okay, and that's so I have really two, where the magic happens. So I have two key questions. I mean, 300 yeah. fosters, that's, that's incredible. That's amazing, yeah. really. It so, really is amazing. So I, mean, I have that's two the, key like, questions for you. One, yeah. what happens to a dog that gets fostered, meaning he mm-hmm. gets intake into one of your wonderful people's homes, Yes. Um, and just does not get adopted. You know, it goes a month goes, two months goes, three months goes, I don't know what the yeah. time of it. It just doesn't get adopted. What happens yeah. to that dog? That dog stays with our family. That dog stays a second chance. And, and I've had a dog. I fostered a dog for six months. And it just, you know, it's one of those things where, and I will tell you, as a foster, it is hard to give up that dog once that dog has been in your home and been in your life for six months. And there's some tears, but they're happy tears because you know that that dog deserves a forever home. So and what happens to the dog? Where does the dog go? He's saying the dogs that, that you don't we, find homes for. We, we have dogs that we've had with us. There's about a handful that, ha- that are second-chance dogs. They have stayed within our foster system and our, and our organization since we started in 2008. So you'll we, switch we, him we around. Are not giving, 
We do not give up on our dogs, no. You, you do not give them back to the shelter, no matter what? There's been only, I will honestly say, there has been really very, very few times when a dog has had um, a painful medical issue where we knew we couldn't save the dog, where mm -hmm. it wouldn't have been fair to keep the dog alive. Mm -hmm. so been, and we have a wall up, and there's three dogs that we've had to put down for medical reasons that we've had to say, you know, it was their time. And it would have been their time whether it was in a private right. adoption or with us. So yeah. my second critical question is, what happens to a dog that's returned by a potential adopter? An adopter that adopts the dog and yes. two months later says, you know what, I can't handle this dog or I don't want this dog anymore. Here, take it back. What do you guys do? We take or the dog back. Or do you take we, it back? Yes, we do. And we require, I will say, we require 72 hours in order to, um, you know, obviously take the dog back into our possession. Absolutely. But we you do. take we, the dog back. Yes, we do. Mm -hmm. And then you find another host, foster home and dog, dog goes absolutely. through the whole thing again, right? Yes, absolutely. And, it's, and, and, and most of these organizations that are foster-based, you know, nonprofit volunteer organizations that are fostering yes. dogs in this fashion, and this rescue happens to be a very large one with 300 homes, um, you know, it, it, it's always a strain on the organization when they have dogs come in that they can't place. And this is a conversation that Alex and I have all the time because, yeah. you know, as you – foster homes are such a prized commodity. So many people, Absolutely. I mean, in rescue will say, what's the number one thing you need? Foster homes. We need That's more foster it. homes. Um, and you guys seem to have a very successful model in, in, in getting those foster homes. When you start to tie up a dog in uh, a foster home, that drains the resources of the group and, uh, you know, and, and minimizes the impact you can have. And so, you know, Alex is always looking for solutions like what do you do with those dogs when they get returned? Um, so I, hopefully in your organization it's not a huge number of dogs. It, it, I will young? say that there's definitely, you know, there's, that's why I will say the, the other secrets besides having fosters that communicate and give us a really great idea of what the dog's personality is, is the dog cat-friendly, is the dog kid-friendly, all those vital details that go into matching the perfect home to the perfect dog. There's that two-week time frame that we have, which is a grace period. We, you know, we call it it's the foster to adopt. It's that, that two-week time frame where the, the potential owners and the dog get to sort of date and realize, okay, is this going to work out? Is this going to be the right fit? Um, and we do have that in place, and that is a huge key to the to our numbers being so low as far as um, um, returning dogs. But you know, we've been we have been around since 2008, and mm -hmm. I will say we have we have received several dogs back into our system, and that's where you know you really tell mm -hmm. the dog story and you really yeah, explain absolutely. why the you know and that, and I will say a lot of this is really helpful when you're looking at how you market a dog and and the honest. You know the kind of honest information you you put out there on Facebook, Twitter, our our website. It's really changed right. so, how social you can networking. Communicate. Yes, mm -hmm. it absolutely has. But Maria, how many dogs have you saved? Let's say in the last year or in the last twelve months, whatever. You know, just to get a time frame. How many dogs well, have you guys saved? Well, I will tell you. Since we have since we started in October of 2008, we've saved nearly 3,000 dogs. We average 80 dogs a month. That we okay, save. so since 2008, you have saved 3,000 dogs. Nearly, yes, very Correct. close. We're, we're 100 dogs away. <laughs> okay, well, you know what? That's 3,000 dogs in my book. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and and you say that it's very very rarely does a dog get returned. Yes, very and rarely does a dog get returned dog that is, we cannot place. Right, and when he is returned, you say you do not take him back to the shelter. You keep him within the system, and you try to get him adopted one way or Correct. the other way. Correct. Correct, yes. Okay, so the question, I, the question I have for you, Maria, is that this is a great, great organization that you've built. I have to commend you for it, 300 fosters working together, um, people doing this for free, taking you know, unknown dogs in and out of their homes, uh, sort of tr you know, round trip. Uh, you know, one dog comes in, you love him, your, breaks your heart, you get it adopted. Another dog comes in. And, uh, and you, you know, you can't get it adopted. The dog stays with you. Maybe you bring another dog in. I mean, just a complete upheaval of your home. And for all of this sacrifice, 3,000 dogs have been saved in, in, what, three years, basically. Well, it would be it's, it's a solid two and a half years. Yes. W wouldn't you think that this is sort of a tiny bandage on a huge, huge wound that we all have as a society because 4 million pets are being killed each year? So in the time period that we're talking about, 10 million pets have died while you saved 3,000. 
Don't you think that all this sacrifice, this personal sacrifice, all this effort is just a tiny little bandage um, on this enormous wound that's bleeding? And don't you think that there was smarter, more efficient ways of using this huge human power that you've garnered to solve the bigger problem of the 10 million that died while the 3,000 got saved? I will tell you that when you look at it in that scope, I can absolutely understand that it, it seems like such a huge problem. How do you even begin to tackle those numbers? But I will say it's by creating a community effort and a grassroots effort as we have. When Jason and Sandra and I sat around in her living room and decided we were going to start a dog rescue, we certainly never imagined that we would have saved 3,000 dogs in two and a half years. We, we had no idea. But I will say that when you have this kind of community effort, imagine if every community had this kind of effort, what those numbers would be. And when you see, when you've taken a dog that you know, unfortunately, was going to get put down in a very stressed and stressed financially and difficult um, structure that we have in our, you know, in our, unfortunately, in our shelter systems, when you know a dog was going to get put down and you've brought it into your home and that dog, you've bathed it and and taken care of it and loved it and, and made it feel safe and then you find a home for it and you see that family or that person who was lonely, who wanted a pet, who now has a companion, who now goes to the park, who now has a reason to get up in the morning, I will tell you that it is so worth it. That cures loneliness, and that's so worth it. The payoff, there's nothing like it. Uh, I, you know what? I, I agree, agree with you. I agree with you, Maria. I think the payoff is absolute knockout out of the ballpark. I am not convinced that it's the solution to the big problem, but we're going to take over and bring in our expert from Best Friends who's going to talk about the big picture as well. Yes. Maria, if you'd love to ho- hold on, you'll hear the rest of the show. Thank you very much for being such a gracious guest. Um, we'll be speaking to you soon, I'm sure. And thank you for all your efforts and rescue. Thank, thank you. you both. Uh, from, thank you very on, on much. On behalf of all the dogs <laughs> as well. Thank you. Thanks again. We'll be right back, the Dogs in Danger, with our best friends from Best Friends. Hey, Brenda, what's the best way for the good folks out there to help their furry friends? Well, they can buy our Dogs in Danger branded T-shirts, mouse pads, and postage stamps. And you know those stamps are real U.S. postal stamps, so you can use them every day. Just think, someone else finding out about this cause each time you send a letter. So please go to dogsindanger.com and buy from our selection of logoed products. Remember, each purchase helps us save a life. That's dogsindanger.com. Right now, thousands of wonderful dogs are in shelters waiting for families. Meanwhile, puppy mills breed tens of thousands of puppies each year to be sold in pet stores or over the Internet for profit. Dogs in puppy mills never feel the touch of a kind hand or grass under their paws. They're forced to have litter after litter to produce puppies for sale in pet stores at high prices. At the same time, many dogs lose their lives in shelters because people choose to buy rather than adopt their pet. Best Friends is working with you and with you main groups all across the country to bring about a time when every animal has a loving home and there are no more homeless pets. Through their puppy mill incentive, thousands of dogs have been rescued from lives of suffering and have become part of loving families. And you can help save even more. Text the word DOG to 90999 to give $5 to Best Friends Animal Society and help save the life of a puppy mill dog. Together, we can make the dream of no more homeless pets come true. Message and data rates may apply. Throw your dog a bone. Let him listen to the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour on 77 WABC. Back to Alex and Brenda. Welcome back to Dogs in Danger Radio, and uh, we're talking about rescue groups today, specifically foster-based dog rescue, and um, sort of trying to take a 35,000-foot view uh, with our next guest, who is Holly Sizemore, Director of Community Programs at Best Friends, and you're live on Dogs in Danger. Hello, Holly. Hello, Brenda. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. From the great city of Kanab, Utah. (laughs) Headquarters of Best Friends. That's right. Headquarters of Best Friends Animal Sanctuary, yes. Absolutely. And what an amazing place that is. Well, I don't know how amazing it is. I hear it's amazing. I'm going to visit it one of these days. Yes, we are coming for a visit. I don't know when, but we're going to do Oh, good. You definitely need to let us know when we're coming. We'll give you the VIP tour. Um, We do get about 30,000 visitors every year, so it's definitely a wonderful destination point. 
My goodness. I can't wait. I really can't wait. I hear it's just a, a magical kind of a place. Holly, let me start by asking you um, this question. Best Friends, is, as we know, it's a very large organization. It's one of the big four in animal world. Um, yet I've heard one of your founders call you a rescue or that we're rescuers, he said. Um, are you a rescue? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think Best Friends certainly didn't just pop out as one of the big four. They started really from a very grassroots level, um, just a few concerned citizens who saw what was happening in their community and said there must be a better way. And so they really did start rescuing animals one by one, and now it's grown to the um, you know amazing organization that it is today that not only houses about 1,700 animals here at the sanctuary, but also helps rescue groups all across the country be more effective in, in what they're doing. But wow. you guys in the in the you know the the um, commonly known model of uh, network of volunteer foster homes, you guys don't actually utilize foster homes yourselves, right? Or do you? You know, we do. Oh, we do indeed. We really do. It's critical to I'd say most most programs. And what you're seeing a lot these days is municipal shelters even running foster home programs, which historically wasn't the case uh, across the country. But more and more 501c3s, you know, little private nonprofit mm -hmm. rescue groups, started implementing foster home programs. And it's catched on so well that you're seeing it expand into municipal shelter settings. And Best Friends has a lot of programs where we utilize foster homes. I mean, it's great for the animals, and it's great for us. Well, do you do this this you know traditional fostering, which is, you know, obviously shelter calls your rescue, and you know you go pick up the dog, and then the dog is after shots and whatever X, Y, and Z. He's placed in a foster home. Do you do that sort of thing out of uh, your Utah based, or do you do this all over the country? We have some target programs that we have various places across the country, so we do utilize foster homes. A lot of the employees here at Best Friends will uh, volunteer to be a foster home, and we have a program that's situated in Salt Lake City called the No More Homeless Pets in Utah program, which is specifically designed to end the euthanasia of cats and dogs in Utah, and they have a program that utilizes a lot of foster homes. In fact, it's based entirely upon the premise that every life saved is thanks to a family who's willing to temporarily house a homeless animal until a permanent home can be found. Um, Holly, we're going we're gonna to go to take the plane up a little bit, you know, and, and, and pull back on the rudder and, and accelerate the plane up, uh, up to 35,000 feet, maybe a little bit higher. Um, I'm going to ask you, how many dogs and cats do you think are saved by rescues around the country altogether? You know, I really don't know the answer to that question. Um, you know, I know how many are dying, which... <laughs> yeah, we all know um, that one. Yeah. We all know it, that one, right? And it's too many. But you have no no estimate of what rescues impact is out there. How many more would be dying without rescues, for example? You have no I certainly know. I, I, I know for Utah it would be, you know, hundreds of thousands more. But to... to put that out on a national level, Best Friends Animal Society is working right now to help establish a national metric for figuring those sorts of statistics out, mm -hmm. shelter statistics, animal rescue statistics, but the movement itself has a long way to go to really dig down deep in those, right. into those kind of statistics all across right. the country. Um, but we do know that most nonprofit rescue groups are foster-based, and so my guess is is that it certainly has a, the implication of saving millions of lives every year. Right, and those stats, as far as I know, in all the research that I've done, um, those stats don't even exist. And mm. so you know, but it's estimated that there are tens of thousands of foster homes. So certainly there are, you know, there are, you know, probably between ten and 20,000 rescue organizations, and those all fit into sort of different, you know, profiles, but tens of thousands of foster homes. So even if it was one dog a year that they were fostering successfully. So let's say tens of thousands. Let's give them a benefit of the doubt, say that um, there is, uh, I don't know, 50,000 rescue homes. How's that? How's but that? some homes do multiple dogs. All right, so let's some say dogs stay longer than others. All right, all right, you know. right. so, so let's say that, you know, for the sake of an argument, let's say that uh, two dogs per home per year. Okay, that's pretty average. 
So every single rescue that I'm giving the benefit of the doubt, twenty thousand dogs, I'm twenty thousand um, foster homes, and of the foster homes, each one gets two. That's forty thousand dogs. Okay, well, now. and remember too, a lot of municipal shelters are also utilizing right. foster homes programs as well. And you know, there's tens of thousands of municipal animal shelters mm-hmm. um, and private humane societies across the country to add to that number. Right. But um, still, you know, what the the logic of it, Holly, sort of uh, misses me still. And we talked about this with our prior guest, who was um, head of a fairly significant rescue here in Southern California. Um, where we're, we're recording the show from, um, and the logic of it escapes me. I mean, there are. I mean, the numbers are that there are four million pets being put to death all over this country. Four million pets, and that's a pretty well established number. It seems to go back between go- dogs and cats. Um, there are thousands, as we just discussed. You know, twenty thousand well-meaning, mostly women. I must say, I don't know where the guys are, but it's all women, <laughs> and I'm ashamed to be on the guy side of the of the fence here. You know, oh, come I, on. I really am. I do. I really am because I, everywhere I go in this in this you know business of saving animals and um, enshrining animals in a sense and 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 caring for them, I run into women, which I, as a heterosexual male, I'm very happy about. But as the one that's looking at the thirty-five thousand perspective, <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm not so happy to be a guy. You know, I don't know where the guys are. If it wasn't for the women, the women I'm are out you. rescuing them, and then their partners are at home snuggling with the foster pet. On the bed. Well, you know what? In the That's privacy a, of their own home. Right, right. There's <laughs> now, a lot of that. Now, that is a beautiful <laughs> and romantic view. I love that. <laughs> so, anyway, so four million, um, without segueing, four million being killed. And we just kind of rough thumb estimated that maybe at best 40,000 are being saved by the, by the rescue organizations out there. Um, and it takes so much effort, so much energy. I mean, what these people go through is tremendous. What they put on the table is unbelievable, okay, for free, for no money, just for the goodness of their hearts. And my question to you is, wouldn't it be better served if you could just harness that energy and put it into other channels such as political activism? Because our governments have woefully left you know, the animal question to itself to solve, which it hasn't solved, period. Don't you think that it would be just a smarter move for our movement to try to channel all this energy, this really good will, this power base, and put it into something that we think is going to crack the wall. I, I don't want to lead the witness, you, so you tell me what you think. Yeah, well, I think you really do need to look at it comprehensively. I mean, it's a really complex if- issue. If it was easy, we would have solved it years ago. And so I think advocacy and focusing in on changing uh, our, the way our government relates to animal sheltering is very important in the movement. But that will never take the place of that animal that's in that shelter right then with those big eyes looking up at you saying, you know, please rescue me. And so I think there's a place for so many different personalities. And I think you're right, Alex, in terms of where can men be more involved is, you know, if they're not the type that wants to, you know, foster dogs in their home, they might be the person who's willing to write to their city councilman and say, you know what, I don't want my taxpayer dollars being used to kill animals when there's other alternatives out there. But I really think that uh, animal fostering is one important niche of ending the killing, and it is one that is very rewarding. I have um, a lot of people I know who foster animals, families who do it with their kids, and at the end of the year, they make a scrapbook of all the animals that they helped save that year. You know, it's five, six, ten animals that they had in their home, and and what an amazing lesson for a child to learn um, to make a difference in the world, and boy, that individual animal meant a lot to that family. So I don't think that uh, fostering animals will ever go away, nor do I think it should. I think it's one important piece of ending the killing and um, achieving no more homeless pets. Uh, You know what? I agree with you, Holly. I think it is a beautiful example for a child, and I find it to be one of the the exemplary um, status for the human being itself that puts out this kind of energy. But I'm also looking at some other things that are going on in our society. Just uh, just this week past, um, the gay rights bill in the New York legislature was approved, making New York the sixth state in the union to have to legalize gay marriage. Uh, which is which is wonderful that the state stepped up to the podium and did this. 
Um, but I ask, you know, from a perspective of minorities being able to accomplish things, uh, obviously gay rights uh, affects a minority of the population. And I look at what they've been able to accomplish and I say to myself, wow, you know, whatever the number is, 10, 15 percent of the population has been able to get the other 85 percent to accommodate a role for, th- for, them, for them in our society, to accommodate them. And what I'm looking at adoption rates of 60% penetration of homes in America that have a pet. 60%, not 10 or 15 as it is in the gay world, 60% of homes have a pet. And we still are killing 40, I'm sorry, 4 million dogs and cats a year. How come we can't take that 60% and make the kind of changes in our society through either legislation or or whatever um, and be successful as um, as the Gay Marriage Act was in New York, for example. Well, I think, you know, I think we are doing it. And just like the Gay Marriage Act in New York was a triumph for that uh, particular population, it, unfortunately, they still have a long way to go in many of the other states, right? Um, so we're certainly not there yet in terms of are we really looking at the human rights issue of that issue effectively and overarchingly, acceptingly, all across the country? No. Um, With any complex issue like pet homelessness, it's going to take time and it's going to take working smart. And I do think that we really have shifted in the way in which us as the masses, so to speak, really are now coming out and saying, look, killing these animals in a shelter just because there's a surplus is not acceptable. And yet we do still need to convince more people to be vocal about that fact. And quite frankly, we need, uh, although people do get it about adoption, I think more, uh, more than ever, a lot of people still don't get the need to spay and neuter. And a lot of people still don't understand what does it really mean to adopt. We've gotten really good at using this terminology, adopt a pet, adopt a pet. Well, I see actual commercial breeders and backyard breeders starting to use that term when they're out, you know, marketing their animals. And what they're really doing is they're selling an animal. They're not adopting it out. And so adopting from a shelter or a rescue group that supports shelters is really the distinction that I think is becoming a little more challenging for people to understand. Now, there's certainly a lot of resources out there. It shouldn't be that hard, right? Petfinder.com, you know, all of those animals are just rescue animals. But people still don't get it a lot. They they buy a pet from a pet store, and they think they've adopted an animal. So we really need to get smarter about, uh, you know, really letting people know what does adoption really mean. It's it's you know it's one of the great forces in the in the animal rights movement is the you know there's not a lot of money in animal rights right I mean you talk about ch- uh, sick children there's billions I mean literally billions a year in the animal rights movement you know it's just it's not a lot of money there's only four guys that have any money and you're one of them um, and and everybody else is living on on crumbs and and so therefore the great force that we have is this mass of people, mostly women, as we said, who are willing to sacrifice everything that they have mm-hmm. to save a life. That's the, and that's it's the tremendous, great energy that we have. Right. It's tremendous human capital. And, you know, we focus a lot on, on the reward, and it is very rewarding. I, I have fostered dogs. I did for many years until finally I adopted the last one and ended up, you know, being over my personal limit. And so I, I'm no longer a foster home. I fully appreciate the reward that there, that there is in doing it. There's nothing like saving a life and knowing that you have helped many lives over time. But the, it's a huge personal sacrifice. And the effort that goes into it, if that effort and passion and that resource was channeled into other areas, perhaps we would have more solutions on the table instead of fighting everything on the downstream. And, um, and you know, and, and that's, that's the debate here. What do you, th- what do you think, well, Holly? Well, I think what's happening at least at Best Friends is we are really looking at the whole big enchilada, you know. We're putting a lot of resources towards more spay-neuter. We're putting a lot of resources, um, you know, towards advocacy and trying to empower local communities to make change locally. And I don't think fostering an animal needs to be a big sacrifice. Sure, there are those people who, you know, bless their hearts. They are always fostering multiple animals, and they're always on the weekends donating their time trying to find those animals' homes, and they never rest. 
Um, I would say that you don't have to sacrifice everything to contribute to saving lives. And a lot of foster families, you know, yeah. they'll, they'll foster a, a few dogs a year, and they're really contributing. Now, they, they don't have the power or the wherewithal to go and, and make this change overarchingly in a big way, but they want to... They, they can help, and it's a huge contribution. And for the people who really step it up and, and give a lot of their personal time and energy, you know, God bless them. They're, they are the angels of this movement. But you don't have to sacrifice everything to, to make a huge contribution to saving lives. You know, Holly, I'll give you a quick example. Um, our prior guest, Maria Blake, she is head of or co-founder of a very large rescue, 300 fosters. That's pretty good in a very pet-friendly state, and you can pull that off in California, Southern California specifically. I mean, incredibly pet-friendly, the most pet-friendly. And they've saved 3,000 dogs, okay, 3,000 dogs with wow, all this effort. Wow, that's great. That's terrific, right, since 2008. In the same time period, a modest little website – Okay, modest little website called dogsindanger.com has saved 52,000 dogs with no fosters, no personal sacrifice, no guts on the table every single day. Um, except ours. Except ours, okay? <laughs> two people. Okay, two people. 52,000 dogs have been saved because of integrating technology and a little bit of marketing. What I'm saying is that we have the passion, we have the numbers. Do we have the brains? to channel it. And I'm, I'm well, saying that... I, then I challenge you, you know, if you have the answers, share it with the world, you know, and, and good for you. I mean, that's a lot of lives saved. And we always... Uh, you know, here we do kind of look at what's the cost per life saved. I mean, it's sort of a dry way of looking at it. But we do owe it to all of the little groups out there so we can give them more money and grants so we can be more effective in helping them be stronger, smarter groups to really look at that. And if you have a way where you can save 52,000 lives cheaply with no fosters, you know, great. Get out there and share it with the world. Holly, that's exactly what we're trying to do on the air with you, <laughs> in friendship and <laughs> partnership with you. You have been a terrific guest. We are almost out of time. Um, I'm going to say thank you on behalf of both Brenda and myself, Holly, and I'm looking forward to having you again. You're a very eloquent guest uh, for the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour. Thank you. Well, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks again. Talk to you soon. We'll be right back with a few final closing words. Hi. This is Alex and Brenda from the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour with a special message for you, WABC listeners. Our charity, the Buddy Fund, has saved over 50,000 dogs from being killed, placing them in loving homes across the country. Through our program, Dogs in Danger, we give a voice to the voiceless and raise awareness about issues and indiscretions in the animal community that would otherwise go unnoticed. However, as a charity, we are dependent on donations from listeners like you to keep the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour alive on WABC Radio. We ask that you please look into your hearts, and if you support our cause and want to continue help us make a difference, please log on to dogsindanger.com and make a donation to the Buddy Fund. Any amount you can spare would go a long way in helping keep animals out of kill shelters and informative programming on the air. It's up to listeners like you to help make the difference in the life of a furry little friend. So please log on to dogsindanger.com and make a difference. Do you wish all dogs and cats could find homes, but you can't adopt one right now? Best Friends Animal Society has a solution. Now you can help a homeless dog or cat find a home with our free action kit. Just visit our website, choose your favorite dog or cat, and we'll get you started. When you help a homeless pet in this way, you really are a champion, and that's why we call you a champion of love. Become one today on the Best Friends website at champion.bestfriends.org. That's champion.bestfriends.org, because every homeless pet needs a champion and a best friend. Hi, I'm David James Elliott. As an American, I believe it's important to do everything we can to help our veterans, like making sure they receive the best quality health care. The Department of Veterans Affairs offers some of the most advanced health care solutions. Over 5 million veterans and their families rely on today's VA, and that number is growing. So if you're a medical professional, I urge you to consider a career with the VA. You'll be dedicating your work to our veterans just as they have dedicated their lives for us. Learn more about careers with today's VA at vacareers.va.gov. The Dogs in Danger Radio Hour. Honest talk, even when it bites. On 77 WABC. Here are your hosts, Alex and Brenda. We're 
back with the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour. And Brenda, that was a scintillating discussion. Yeah, it really was. You know, the uh, rescue groups are doing such amazing work across the country. They've done so much to further the no-kill movement, to educate people, to promote adoption. And, uh, you know, my, my, my sincere thanks go out to all of those foster homes uh, and those volunteers and those organizations who spent countless hours and, you know, resources trying to save the animals. Yeah. You know what? The secret is the, I know the secret of this because um, Brenda was a rescuer when I met her. Um, and her best friend is a serial rescuer for several, several years now. So I go to her home. I see her lifestyle. And I see what it takes to become a serial rescuer. rescuer. She has saved how many dogs now? Oh, in the I can't, past four I can't years. even count. I don't know, 60-something, I 60, think. 70 Personally dogs. fostered, meaning personally fostered. The rescue personally. organization has done you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. close but to 1,000. Personally, 1, 000, but. these dogs have moved into her house, right. moved out of her house. Mm-hmm. Okay, And mm-hmm. she's up to now seven dogs, and I think she's ended up inheriting two dogs that were returned back because the, you know, where's these dogs going to go? They go back to her. Health as problems. As though it was her re- responsibility. Right. So yeah. she's up to seven dogs now. The whatever. thing about rescuing is that no matter how much good you do, you can never do enough. enough. It's the smallest drop in a very big bucket, guys. And so. it's an essential part. It's a critical part. And I thank those people. But And there are some people that are just making such huge personal sacrifice to do it. And um, The best of the best and what kills me, what hurts me and kills me, is that I think it's being put to somewhat of a waste. That sort of energy, that well, sort of passion. I, I don't agree with that. It's not know? a waste. It's certainly not a waste to the animals that are being saved. Oh, but your point not. is your point is that if those passion and efforts and resources were channeled into other solutions, that maybe we would have a fix to the problem. I think you would. No, and maybe. I, don't kn- I believe, yes, I, I we think would. There's, it, it, it's going to be critical always that we have foster homes playing this role, always. I, you know, I agree with you, but I think that the solution it shouldn't is be, in that mass. It shouldn't be on the backs of the good people of this country to sacrifice so much personally in order to achieve a right. solution. It's not a solution. You know what? Dogs in danger is not a solution either. Right. It's just one piece of a huge, huge solution. You yeah, know, big, the, big but picture. The, but the numbers do say something. 52,000 dogs. That says something, Okay with no personal sacrifice at the level Well, thank you for everyone about. for their peace and what they can do in contributing to saving animals. It was a great show. It was a great show. Enlightening and a, and a terrific show. Thank you Two to our guests. guests.